0: This is making finances easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis from Providence Wealth Management. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Paul, Garrett, and Bruce provide their clients and prospects the information they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now here is Making Finances Easier with Paul Cochran,
1: Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Paul Cochran here with uh, Providence Advisors Group. Welcome to our show, Making Finances Easier. I'm here with my friend and colleague, Garrett Crawford. Good morning, Garrett.
2: Hey, Paul. How you doing?
1: Fresh off vacation. Garrett, what's something that you really enjoyed about this vacation? Well, uh, the, uh, the funny one... Uh, before I get
2: into vacation was that I really liked doing it on the Memorial Day weekend where we came back on a Saturday <laughs> and we had an extra day oh, uh, to kind of recover before we hit the ground running this week. Uh, we, we drove back from Florida on Saturday. and you know It was like eight or nine. Actually, for us, it ended up being an all-day visit because I stopped in and visited a cousin for a few hours in Georgia. But uh, I slept in the next morning and i thought okay well i'll be good well i was still exhausted on sunday and uh, even into monday on memorial day uh i I felt like that was a really helpful extra day uh to kind of get back into (laughs) needing to do things around the house so that was awesome but uh we we spent a week down on the, the panhandle of florida and uh our my kids are eight and a half and five and a half and uh you know, it's it's just fun every year seeing what they enjoy and what they change. And uh, in years past, they didn't want much to do with the beach part or with the sand and the ocean, and they'd rather go swim in a pool. But this year it was like, you know, see, see you later, pool. We're going to be down there swim or uh, – you know, just doing whatever they could
1: in the yeah. ocean. So, uh, you know, lots of good food, relaxing. It was good. That's, what about you, Paul? That's great. Well, I was I was pretty pretty exhausted by the time we left. Uh, in fact, I was so run down, I kind of got sick there. It took me a couple of days into the vacation just to recover. Didn't have a fever or anything, but, you know, just the cold and, and being clogged up, et cetera. But uh, by Tuesday night into Wednesday, I started getting a little bit of a – uh, kind of a hitch in my giddy up kind of back feeling better and was able to ride my bike every morning and then uh, chill with uh you know you guys and sandy uh, all afternoon and, and uh I, I particularly enjoyed our our card games and stuff at night and uh that one night we were playing uno and everybody's uh, yucking it up and i just love ella's little laugh and uh that's just uh, those are great memories um well, we're back in the saddle now, uh, got plenty to do, um, but we're, we wanted to talk to everybody today about uh, 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 kind of a term you hear a lot about when the financial guy starts talking and that's the, the topic of risk. And um, the, it, It's a subjective topic in, in, in some ways and uh, nothing like a little market volatility to smoke out uh, how people really feel uh, about risk, um, I've had a few people come in and say, "Yeah, let's you know, let's shoot for the moon, let's have some." But boy, when the when the volatility starts happening, you know, they might want to put the brakes on, you know, or somebody that starts off super conservative and you know they just don't earn as much as as maybe their neighbors earning, and they're like, you know, maybe I should take more risk, you know, and so. <clears throat> So one of the things I was hoping we could talk about today was our systematic way that we uh, try and allocate people in an appropriate c- kind of category that's uh, kind of on – it's 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 not fixed in stone. It, it, it changes over time. But kind of the, the method behind our madness about how we do that.
2: Yeah, sure. And I was even thinking, too um – you know, a lot of times we're going to be working with people that are in and around that retirement age, and we talk about risk. And so, what if, what does the financial guy mean when they talk about the term risk? And we're just talking about somebody who, let's say they have an IRA, a uh, Roth account, they have a non-retirement account where they've got, you know, life's worth of savings, and you have all these options of where you can stick your money to earn interest. You could, Uh, you know, I hear you saying one end of the spectrum, you could put it in a, you know, under your mattress. Well, you're not going to earn any interest on that money. And because you know where that money is, uh, you know, you're not taking any risk. And then there's the other side of the equation or the other other side of the spectrum that says uh, you're taking a lot of risk when you put all your money into AMC movie theater in 2020, <laughs> one of those meme stocks, or GameStop, because you know everybody's talking about it. Crypto was another one where you put all you know a huge portion of your money into one single thing, maybe that you don't even really understand that well. And because it's going up, we're gonna hope that it keeps going up. So if if something goes wrong on that side of the spectrum, that's not gonna be good for for retirement. So uh, not to insult anybody's intelligence out there, oftentimes when financial people are talking about the word risk, we're just trying to dial in how much, uh, how comfortable you are making a dollar versus losing a dollar. And for a lot of people out there, especially the older that we get, it hurts more to lose a dollar than it does to gain a dollar. But uh, I think everybody wants to be prudent and give themselves a, a reasonable upside to to beat inflation, I think,
1: over, over the course of time. Yeah, those are good points. I try to tell people that If I had a room full of uh, people and let's say they all would claim that their portfolios are 60% in stock and 40% in uh, safer assets, um, that you know, all five of those couples say if they, if, if there were five couples, they all claimed they had a 60, 40, their risk could still vary widely. Why? Because it depends on what the 60% equity is made out of. And it depends on what the 60% or the 40% fixed income is made out of. So it's not, um, it's not an exact science and, and, and then the, the other thing comes up that, that's a real common uh, idea is someone would naturally think, well, hey, I'm earning uh, you know, 8% uh, in my account year-to-date, and somebody else is earning 8% year-to-date in their account. It's a natural uh, response to think, oh, well, they must be equal. They must be the same. But if one of those accounts got the 8% by taking 20% less risk, that means that account is doing way better than the other one. And so when we talk about risk, one of the numbers, one of the kind of uh, uh, numerical values that comes up a lot is this whole subject of standard deviation. And in standard deviation, really all in the world you're doing is you're Given a numerical value of how much something varies from from the mean. So if you picture like a Geiger counter, uh, or maybe a Geiger counter is not a, a good one. Maybe a, a heart monitor machine in a hospital, and you see these spikes up and down, uh, high and low. Well, that would be a you know a large standard deviation if the middle was um, was the mean, the average um if it was a flat line well if it's your heart that's bad news <laughs> but if it's a flat line that means there's hardly any variation yeah. uh, cash in the bank cash in the bank it's, it' doesn't it's, there's no volatility but there's a downside to that too because you you can't earn anything uh, well to speak of uh, with that kind of money so so how do we solve these these differences well we're um, it's really a a, a multi-prong kind of approach, but one of the first things we do is, um, is we gather the data to find out you know obviously where where a client is, their total position, what they're hoping to accomplish, that type of thing, just kind of a data dump uh, kind of where they are. One of the things
2: that I've noticed in my years of employment with you, Paul is because we have peers in our industry that we talk to that work with other clients, and <clears throat> yeah. I, I remember whether it was COVID or you know even the myriad of things I can't even remember something comes up with the euro. I remember there were a year, few years back, the euro was what uh, becoming the main currency or something. But I remember waking up that morning and it was kind of a shock vote, and uh, I remember thinking, oh, it's going to be a busy day at the office as people call in, and uh, I, I feel like for the most part. A large block of our clients on those kind of, cr- quote unquote, cr- crazier days usually aren't calling in. Yeah, um, And I think a lot of that has to do with conversations that we have from the outset of how much, mm. you know, e- even, mm. even a conservative investor can sometimes mm. lose money. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- when you get the conversation on the front end right about how much risk you want to take, A lot of our clients generally just aren't calling in surprised that their portfolio, uh, you know, maybe doesn't track the S and P when it goes up ten percent. Maybe they're only up four or five percent, versus when the S and P drops ten percent and they're only down, you know, four percent or something. Uh, But I feel like uh, that's that's always been a, a, a big thing for us is to make sure that people understand how much risk they're taking it goes to show when sometimes we don't get phone calls on those types of days that are big ups and big downs
1: yeah it's, it's actually uh somewhat encouraging i think i know for me that that our phone doesn't ring uh all the time with people hey what's happening what's going on because we're trying to design it in a way so they're they're not surprises so are there sometimes uh, surprises? Well, yeah, I think uh, one of the ones I've been wrestling with here uh, lately is uh, I'm always trying to find the best home, like for an emergency account, where someone needs to have some cash available, but they don't want to tie it up, uh, but they'd like to earn more than the bank can. Yeah. And uh, here in 2023, it's been... Uh, a little bit of a moving target you know because the you know the interest rates have been going up and now banks are starting to you know offer better rates etc and um, but usually with those you have to time up maybe a, a one-year cd to get the five percent that some of them have been throwing out there um, and what was that comment that you heard Dave Ramsey say uh, yeah, I was telling Paul before we recorded, I was
2: just watching a clip and he, he made a comment that, uh, you know, somebody had called in and they said I was going to put some money into, uh, I think it was like 50000 or or $100,000 into something or invest $100,000 into a CD and Dave Rams. He said, uh, No, I wouldn't do that. Uh, And he said, but it's for a short-term expense here in the next six months. He said, oh, okay, well, then that's okay. And his bumper language at the end was that uh, CDs were for saving and CDs were not for investing. And so, like everything Dave Ramsey, there's nuance in what he says, and he doesn't get into that. But... uh, people that are generally in CDs, uh, are, are saving for a shorter term expense when they know they can use it. But even though 5% sounds great right now, it is, uh, for a short term investment, uh, when inflation is still at five, six, 7%, you know, you're, you're keeping up with inflation and taking some market risk probably gives you a better chance at beating it.
1: Yeah. And every time we mention Dave Ramsey, I always like to add that, uh, I've taught his course uh, several times in, uh, in churches in the area. I, uh, I, I feel like it'd be a great course for every senior in high school to have. Um, but I also add that, you know, we don't agree with everything he says, that uh, there are several caveats where we would uh, part ways with him. But in general, his, you know, no debt philosophy, you know, we would clearly be on board. So back to risk. So the five categories that, that we have. When we have a score somewhere between 1 and 100, let me just go through those real quick. And then, Garrett, if you have any questions or comments as I go through, you just stop me. So if the score is somewhere between 1 and 20, we call those a a conservative investor. And that investor probably shouldn't have any more than, you know, roughly 20% in stock. You know, no more than 20% in something that's going to have a, a growth orientation to it. Um, The second would be what we call conservative growth. And the conservative growth is going to score somewhere in our little matrix, somewhere between a 21 and a 40. And uh, the shorthand there, let's say if they had a, you know, let's say if they were a 35. Well, then generally speaking, we we would think that they need to have roughly shorthand 35% in stock. And the balance in things that don't have as much volatility. I was just gonna say, <clears throat> I was I was sitting there looking at that category because we have
2: we have some clients that are conservative growth. It's like they they don't want cash in the bank. They don't want minimal returns. They just want just a little bit more and <laughs> don't give me much risk. And so it's it is an interesting client yes. that falls in that second. Category 20 to 40 conservative growth. But I was just thinking sometimes it can be really hard to be a conservative growth portfolio investor because there's so much noise around you that says more. You need more, more, more. And your buddy says, I get 10%. Or I've got 20% and you're sitting here with a 5% or a 6% return. And so not everybody is 100% stock market investing. And uh, I think that kind of second tier conservative growth is a really interesting client. We have quite a
1: few in there. Yeah, We have quite a few in there. The next one, so we've had conservative. We've had conservative growth. The next one up of the five is what we would call balanced. So balanced is gonna be, your, your score is gonna be somewhere between a 41 and a 60 in our little uh, nomenclature. And uh, so really a 50, 50, 60, 40, somewhere in there, it means that you're gonna have a balanced portfolio, meaning about half of your uh, investable assets need to be in stock, and about half need to be in safer assets. And, uh, and just parenthetically, what's really kind of interesting as a result of all this uh, interest rate uh, uh, change that's been going on is finally, finally – the balanced portfolios that do have st- uh, bonds in them are starting to make money. In fact, um, we were talking earlier that a couple of our dividend portfolios, the ones that have higher bonds this year have actually been doing a little better uh, just because dividends dividend stocks aren't having a great year. Uh, growth stocks are killing it uh, for the most part. Um, But that balanced investor is gonna be about half and half or roughly 60-40.
2: And I'd also just add to uh, everybody's unique but I will say, by and large, most a good percentage of our clients that are near and in retirement are in that balanced category. It's very uh, doesn't mean if you're listening doesn't mean that you're going to be in that category. But it is very common as people hit their you know 60s, 70s, and even early 80s that a balanced investor is where they even find a comfort staying in even into their 80s
1: and 90s. The next one up, uh, if you score between a 61 and an an 80 in our little um, risk tolerance uh, little test, it's a moderate growth. So that's saying that you're, let's say you scored a 70, that you could have, say, 70% of your funds could be in in stock and uh, 30%, say, in fixed income. Then the growth investor is your score is going to be high somewhere between 81 and 100, and you're going to have the majority uh, somewhere over 80% of your investable assets are going to be in stock. Now, um, what I love about what we do though is let's say let's say you're uh, you're 45 and you are, uh, you, you've decided, hey, uh, I'm not as conservative as balanced, but I'm not as uh, uh, kind of roll the dice as a growth investor, but I, I think I'm a moderate growth. Well, that 70%, say roughly, that you put in the portfolio of stock, um, if, if, if all 70% was in a growth portfolio, Well, it's going to do great on years like this, where, you know, our our growth portfolio is probably over 20 percent so far a year to date. Um, But uh, on other years, a growth portfolio is going to really struggle like last year. And so one of the things I love about what we do is taking that 70 percent and mixing in different kinds of stock to make up that. Portion.
2: Correct. And then also, if you listened to our show last week, we talked about sticking those growth stock areas in the right type of account. So if you have a Roth account where all your growth is tax free, if you're supposed to have 70% of your uh, investments in growth oriented. Strategies. Let's put those in the Roth versus in the in the IRA. You don't want to mess that up and get a growth position in an IRA where you're going to be takes, taking those funds out and paying taxes on them. So uh, the right securities to make up the 70%, but also in the right type of uh, investment
1: account. So when we look at at people's, when we do reviews and we look at people's portfolios, the place where mutual funds would come in to be the most important kind of category would typically be in their 401k. And oftentimes when I review their 401k offerings, I'll recommend some of the um, target date funds uh, because they're typically a fund of funds and there's just not enough options uh, available for them within their 401k choices uh, to make not choosing a target date realistic. But in our uh, our strategies, you know, we don't use any mutual funds. We use uh, stocks and ETFs. It's much easier to dial in what we're trying to accomplish, and then the fund managers can take advantage of the stock uh, of the growth sections, of the the dividend sections, of the fixed income sections to try to optimize each one of those within, say, that sixty forty category. Yep. And so, <clears throat> so really. Um, uh, uh, drawing you out where you are total with your, what you're wanting to accomplish, et cetera, taking that little risk tolerance tool and then dialing it in based on, you know, the income that you'd like, the liquidity you need to get um, a, uh, a portfolio where you can sleep at night.
2: Sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So uh, I I, I guess I'll end it here. If you uh, have questions about that, you want to give us a call at 865-770-5031. Maybe you've never had a risk analysis of your portfolio. Maybe your your risk tolerance doesn't match up with how you're actually invested. Those are kind of... uh, table stakes for what we do in first appointments with people to make sure they're invested how they think they're invested. Uh, But 865-770-5031. Give us a call. Uh, Let us know that you're interested. And then you could also visit our website at makingfinanceseasier.com. And there's a button in the top of our page where you can schedule a meeting. But until next time.
0: Thank you for listening to Making Finances Easier. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, or Bruce Landis at Providence Wealth Management. Call 865-770-5031 or visit them online at makingfinanceseasier.com. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Providence Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Tennessee. Insurance products and services are offered through Providence Advisors Group, LLC, Providence Advisors Group, LLC, and Providence Wealth Management, LLC, are affiliated companies. Paul